Hey, it's Lisa Carlin from Attacking Third to tell you about the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. It's equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend. The Hyundai Santa Fe features available all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, plus available dual wireless charging pads, ensuring that you can take on any adventure. It's ski season, and with the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe, I can easily load the car with all my gear plus my friends in the third row and make it right to the base of the slopes with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome into Attacking Third. We have an absolutely packed show for you today. First of all, the U.S. Women's National Team is out of the World Cup. We're going to cover that and so much more. But first of all, who are we? I am Jenny Chu alongside OG Attacking Third member Lisa Carlin. Yes. Former pro uh, in NWSL and WPS, Jordan Angeli. But she is also a self-proclaimed MC Hammer backup dancer in this outfit today. Yes, you're welcome. <laughs> you look amazing. We'll do the dances later. Don't worry. <laughs> Darian Jenkins, also a former pro, just retired. But more importantly, my under-14 regional camp ODP roommate. Yes, go Region 4. <laughs> Darian Jenkins, um, I just wanted to get us started there. It's a Monday. We're a little bit groggy coming off of a weekend in the news that the U.S. Women's National Team is out. Yeah, thank mm -hmm. you for those stats. I like that on us. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I'm going to continue to find some about you guys. Oh, goodness. <laughs> so, Here we go. I also learned that Jordan Angeli doesn't like oat milk, so I was going to throw that in there, but there was no Yeah, space. that's a hot Now take. you just gave it away. That could have been Wednesday. <laughs> um, we wanted to start a little bit positive there because we have to go straight into this game. The U.S. Women's National Team is out via penalty kicks against Sweden. Five to four uh, to start this off, Jordan. It was disappointing, I think, that they even got to penalty kicks. And the biggest stat that stood out to me is the United States had 26 penalties in previous to this penalty shootout, and they only had missed the frame of goal one time. Here they missed three times, two of those being veterans, one being Sophia Smith, the youngster. And it really came down to Alyssa Nair doing the most in goal. Th this is difficult to oh, watch. This is wild. I feel like my heart was in my throat mm -hmm. because she makes the double save. And Darian, it's in? I, I don't know. I don't know. My jaw was hanging open from my couch with my coffee that morning, just waiting to see the reaction. And heartbreaking. Yeah. You saw Alyssa's reaction after, just in disbelief. Like, no way, no way. You could see, uh, read her lips. And then... Boom, it's a goal. Guys, this is the first time the U.S. Women's National Team has not reached a semifinal at a Women's World Cup, and the first time that they have failed to reach the final in consecutive major tournaments. That also includes the Olympics, and they were goalless for 238 minutes in this tournament. Oh, that was a big 
big problem, Lisa. That's my biggest stat that jumps out to me looking at that. 238 minutes without a goal for the United States. They should have finished this Sweden game in the 120 minutes that they played before. Yeah. It never should have got to penalty kicks. They should have found the back of the net on the multiple shots that they had. That was one of the most frustrating things about this team throughout the entirety of the World Cup. Yeah. And the reason we felt that way is because they played totally differently. And a lot mm -hmm. of that had to come with the structure and the way that they were set up. Finally, we get some adaptation from this team. Mm -hmm. It's a 4-2-3-1. The two central players playing deeper allowed them to get 77% possession yeah. in this game, which is almost 10 digits they, more than they had in any other game. So they had the ball. They were good at keeping, keeping it. But then, more importantly, they dropped their wingers back. Mm -hmm. yeah. So then you can get these players as if they're running downhill, which they're so good at, Rodman and Smith, want the space in front of them. Mm -hmm. And so it set them up to be effective. The United States was effective in this. You dropped the 77% in possession. They dominated all of the stats against Sweden, 22 shots, 11 of them on target. Their passing accuracy was 78% in this game. That is worlds better than the first three games we saw the United States play because of the off-ball movement, the players able to find the space and looking for the open player moving for each other, and the double pivot in the midfield. That was the biggest factor for this U.S. side. Lisa, let's dive deeper into that. Emily Sonic coming in as a double pivot with Andy Sullivan completely changed the game. And it's something that I didn't see coming. And I have to say, she did amazing. I mean, if we talk about her, she It'd had yeah. 89% accurate, pass, accurate passes out of 63 passes. She was dominant in she the midfield. She had 15 recoveries in yeah. the midfield to Andy Sullivan's nine, which allowed Andy Sullivan to have more time on the ball yes. and to be creative, to connect her passes. And that's what worked so well. Sonnet was the defensive midfielder, mm -hmm. and Andy Sullivan, although also being a, a defensive midi, had more time on the ball to actually keep possession for the United States. Yeah, and they were able to actually help our the U.S. back line just keep the ball and keep pressure off and play into the pockets, pull Sweden a little bit out of space to then actually exploit. You saw Gurma play so many balls to Fox that kind of wrapped around their center forward, and Fox was able to actually drive into space for the first time with just space in front of her. So I do think Sonnet was the game changer in that game. She cleaned up. She was the big tackler. She was a huge presence. And you're right, it allowed Andy to actually be free and express herself on the ball. I think we've been missing that from her the last few games. But Jordan, yes, we've been criticizing Andy Sullivan, or everybody has, um, because of her performances. But is this a question of setting her up for success? This is something that we have seen that she was so much more successful at. And is it because she needed that help and not a single pivot there? I think we've all we all know that this team is stacked with players. It's not as if this team isn't talented. Even the players that didn't see a minute on the field, very talented mm -hmm. players. But you must set people up to succeed, and that has been the question through all of this: is how, are they in the right formation mm -hmm. for the players that they have in this tournament to be successful against whoever they play? And I think that does vary. It's not going to be the same from game to game. And one of the biggest things with changing and putting Emily Sonnet in is Emily Sonnet's been playing the six now for a number of months yeah. for Laura Harvey at mm -hmm. OL Reign. So she could go in there and be super effective. The double pivot didn't just allow them to get on the ball more. What it also allowed is for Lindsay Horan to get higher up on the yes. field. And for Emily Sonnet to be that connector piece on the left side, but to switch the point of attack. And then we saw isolations yeah. for Lindsey Horan, for Trinity Rodman, Rodman, and then eventually Lynn Williams. It just felt like 
the movement off the ball was better, the tempo was better, everything from this team was better from the jump, but it also had to do with how they were set up. So is the formation key to why the United States played better against Sweden? It is a part of it. I think they actually just played better, too. The, yeah. Yeah. the movement off the ball was just so much more fluid. It, every time somebody got the ball, it looked like somebody else wanted it off of their foot. There was good counter movement. Of There are times Alex Morgan's coming into the space and Sophia Smith's then going in beyond, or they're stretching the back line, then yeah. utilizing the space that they just created. So I think that there was a lot of different things that add to this, but... They came in with the right mentality, but also the right setup, and that gives you confidence as a player to be successful. I think one of the biggest things is, yes, it was a great performance for the U.S. women's national team, and it worked. That change worked. The ability to change and be open to change worked. Mm -hmm. But why had we not seen it before? I mean, we, we, we're later going to touch on the years that we have seen the U.S. not reaching the expectations that we expected them to performance-wise, not necessarily result-wise, performance-wise. If this was an option, and as you said, Emily Sonnet has been playing that for Laura Harvey, why had we not seen it? Because you have Rose Lavelle and you're trying to get Rose Lavelle in. Yeah. I, I, th I just think yeah. that we hadn't quite seen the right setup and you want to play these other players that are a little bit more attacking minded. So I agree that I don't think that this was a great game for the U.S. It would have been a great game if they scored two or three goals. Oh, yeah. yes. I think it was the best performance we saw them play. And unfortunately, soccer is cruel sometimes. And you can yeah. be the better team, and you can play better than the other team, and you can still lose. It's, it's such a game of inches when it comes down to Portugal getting a shot off the post. Yeah. Kelly O'Hara, her penalty kick off the post as well. And then the actual game-winning penalty that Sweden took being just millimeters Ugh, It is away. a game of, of tiny, tiny differences. Yes, Darren. Also, we have to give a shout-out to Sweden's goalkeeper. Oh, yeah. She had an incredible game. Yeah. That she had so many big saves. That Lindsay had a shot that was off of a volley. That I don't know how <laughs> she had the reaction time to save that. I was already celebrating yeah. as if it was a goal, and she got it out. And so shout out to her because she really did keep Sweden in the game. They kept replaying it in slow mo. I'm like, no, the the actual speed. regular speed yeah. was more impressive. <laughs> yeah. I think that she would have gotten a lot more shine if we weren't so focused on the fact that the U.S. is now out and all mm -hmm. the decisions that have been made because she was outstanding. Um, she stood on her head like you would mm -hmm. as a goalkeeper. But there's so much more we want to talk about on this U.S. team. But, of course, we have the rest of the round of 16 that we need to chat about. So we'll be back with all of that. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. And here's a look at your updated World Cup bracket. Six of the eight games from the round of 16 are complete. Six teams are on to the quarterfinals. Two more matches left. The first match that kicked off was Switzerland against Spain. Spain getting the better end there. Darian, something caught your eye in that match. Bon Mati. Well, I've been fangirling her for a while, and <laughs> yeah. she is just proving me right and right. I'm going to rock her jersey one of these Fridays. Uh, but she, I think, is the glue to the Spain team. She's really stepped up and just commands the field, and now she's getting the results of all of these goals and assists, and uh, her movement to get these goals is the most impressive part to me. She never has a moment where she's just hanging out. So here you have Perluelo on the wing, and here you can see Bonmati just eyeing the ball and seeing where it's going to come out. She anticipates everything. 
She gets everybody, all of these defenders and the keeper, bought in that she's going to shoot with her right. And then we see her pull it back, little whoop, and great finish with Goes her near left. Post. Near post. <laughs> and we don't, it's such a difficult finish as well, but she makes it look easy. And here, again, always buzzing around the box. She's involved in everything. Then so again, whoop. Sells everybody, myself included. I thought she was going with her right and then finishes with her left. And Eesh. yeah, it's she's just in the zone right now and it's so fun to watch. She's creative on the ball, she's always buzzing around, she's the leader for this team and having a great World Cup. I, I'm like I said, I'm a big fan and I think this next game is even gonna highlight her more. And the reaction to have that type of play, I think for the whole Spanish squad after mm -hmm. their game against Japan where they couldn't figure out a way to break down this low block team in Japan. And then they go out and score this many goals against a Swiss team. I th we thought we were going to give them a better fight. I, yeah. I think Bonatti was really a big part of that. Yeah. Oh, those goals. I'm glad we broke them down because they were so good. I know. <laughs> they fun. were so good. Oh, my gosh. She's so good. But not only them coming back from that Japan loss, they also had an own goal early in this match. And then they came yes. back from that for them that to show was... that resilience and then score four Redemption. goals. Absolutely amazing. Uh, let's move on to Japan against mm. Norway, where Japan won 3-1. to one. They've outscored their opponents 14-1. to one. They had three clean sheets thus far, tied for the most. Lisa, something stood out to you here. Yeah, this Japanese side is on top of the world yeah. right now. They are proving everyone wrong. We saw the odds change in the sports line betting, and Japan jumped to the top. They're at the top of my bracket right now to, fin to finish this out. I made a bet with Poppy, uh, England, Ooh. Japan, about Ooh. that one. But at the start of this game for Japan, Japan against Norway, they were on the offensive front foot immediately, getting crosses into the box, corners, putting Norway under pressure. And they get the opening goal, a forced own goal, in the first 15 minutes. The next two goals to come for them were all about creating space. And that's what Japan does so well on this team against Norway and the way they were able to break down a high press from this Norwegian side. It was two passes. They're through the defensive structure mm -hmm. and then in on goal. They did a fantastic job. Norway to the or Japan to the top uh, during this game. Yeah, I needed you here um, on Friday because I had them as my winner as well. <laughs> during this match, Japan, this is the part where they break down the Norwegian press with one pass here, four players bypass that completely, and then Maya Yaza. Excuse me, Maya Zawa, she's at the bottom of your screen and she makes this darting run to go through the lines. And it's the pass from Fujiano that is a straight pass on the diagonal ball and the finish. I love it. It's one touch. That's her fifth goal of this World Cup. Japan just did a fantastic job throughout this game to score in a variety of ways and break down the press. It's the way that Japan is so patient in how they go down the field. It doesn't matter if a team's high pressing or if they're in a low block they know when to utilize space they know when their runners need to time themselves into that next space and you're you're exactly right Miyazawa timed that perfectly if she goes too early there she doesn't get the yeah. ball yeah. she doesn't score but that over and over again when you watch this team you start to see how in tune they are with their timing and their runs off the ball it is beauty. I think what's separating them too, why it's so fun to watch, is they really exploit other teams' weaknesses. Oh yeah. Like um, mm -hmm. so impressively and all together and I think other teams don't have that same cohesiveness where yes. they're adapting to each team regardless of what game it is. Where it's, we're talking about Spain, love Spain, but I think they're gonna play their style. Japan's still gonna play their style but they'll adapt on the fly. 
You're yeah. absolutely correct, That's what's because the, them. the games that they've played are so different. So mm -hmm. the game against Spain, they had about 22, I think, percent possession of that match, yeah. and still came out as winners, and they were scoring on the counterattack a ton. Mm -hmm. This game against Norway, they had like 60-something percent of the possession, a completely different game plan, still able to score on the counterattack, as yeah. we just saw there, but can build, can keep the possession. I mean, it's so hard to play against a team that has so many ways to attack you and to defeat you. Mm -hmm. I yeah, mean, they're so intelligent. They're yeah. so great to watch. It's been Beautiful to watch them play. I know that Lisa and I have them as our potential winner here. And you guys, I, I, I had Christine here, so we couldn't have a 50-50. They have gang the French. Up on them. I know, we, we couldn't. But really, the outstanding the way this team has played mm -hmm. and the way that they build things. I'm so excited to continue to watch them and, and their progression throughout this tournament has been outstanding. I know we want to get to Australia here, Jordan, because the you host. want to break down them. <laughs> yeah, this Australian squad, I think, has had a lot of... Uh, issues in this tournament, the biggest one being everybody thought this was going to be Sam Kerr's World Cup. Yeah. And we just barely saw Sam Kerr in this game. Thankfully, she's back and ready to go. But I, I think I've been mo most impressed with the way that they've been able to adapt without her. And a lot of that has to do with how they've utilized Caitlin Ford. And they started her centrally. Now she's playing wide. And they get their first goal on the counterattack. It was on the break, which they are so good at going on the break. But they also can build through the lines and show you how dangerous they can be. And a lot of that runs through Ford and what she can do. So I, I love that this team is finding their flow. They're figuring out different ways to, one, be very defensively cohesive and make it difficult for teams to break them down, which they haven't been for years. No. Yeah. And then they're getting some goals to show for it. Australia grew into this tournament, and they grew into this game because initially Denmark gets on the front foot for Nail Harder. She gets a number of shots off and opportunities. Yeah. She's got to be uh, really regretting some of those chances she took and couldn't put away. And then Australia was able to put double on harder, eliminate her from the game, mm -hmm. and then grow into it throughout it. Mary Fowler, oh, yeah, she had she's, a fantastic um, game. Yeah, fangirling yeah. over her, too. I think <laughs> yeah. she's the future of this Australian side. Should we talk a little bit about Mary Fowler? All right, here, here's, what she, here's what Go she on. does in this play. And I, I love this second goal from Australia because it has to do with some of those key players. So here's Cooney Cross making the run. She's the one tracking. But Mary Fowler keeps herself alive. So Caitlin Ford's dribble central, finds Fowler. And then the movement off the ball is what is so good from Australia. There's Ford making space for Fowler here at the top of the box. Fowler is your number nine. Here she is as a playmaker in the box. All attention goes to her. She finally gets a cross off. But what I love here is Haley Rasso, your far-sided outside back winger, whatever you want to call her, keeps herself alive. Knows that that's the only option for Van Eggman there. But you have Cooney Cross, Fowler, Van Eggman, Rasso, Ford, all involved in that mm -hmm. goal. If you're Australia, you're saying, Sam Kerr who? Exactly. Feeling that's, good. that's what's been so impressive about Australia is they've been able to adapt their formation and their style of play without their superstar. She got about 20, 15 minutes in this game. And now how do they continue to play with her moving forward without losing what Australia already has True. and what they've been able to do offensively without Kerr? Kerr just needs to add and supplement oh, to the magic will. that's and she already will. there. Absolutely. Yeah. That confidence that she will absolutely Fowler and exactly. Kerr. Oh, that's yeah. going to be fun. Scary. It's going to be amazing.
amazing. And earlier you guys heard me reference that I needed Lisa here on Friday because I was rooting for Japan to win in the bracket challenge. Let me explain. Okay, so the attacking third bracket that we have right now, we have France as our winner. If we'll take a look. So whatever you get right in the round of 16, you'll get two points. Quarterfinal winner will get four points. Semifinal winner, six points. And the winner of it all gets ten points. We are competing against Morning Footy. Um, so the four of them picked their bracket. We can take a look at that as well. Very different looking brackets. Our finals are completely different. Our final is Japan against France. Theirs is the United States against England. So we have 10 well, points so far? <laughs> yeah. I think we're both 10 at 10, 10 points. But if you think about it, their final is completely out. Not yeah. possible with the United States not there. Our final is still a potential possibility. Mm. What's on the line here? What are we... You know what? We said we were going to come back with some ideas, and I don't yeah. think we I didn't did. Think of it. I didn't think of anything. Well, it's okay. We will win the bragging rights. Yeah. Plus something else. I also else. want something else. Yeah. Uh, exactly. I don't. Uh, bragging rights are not enough for me. I have enough bragging rights against them sometimes. I'm like, <laughs> look at guys. Our show is so good. Um, but guys, we're going to have Canadian international Janine Becky on with us next. She's currently a Portland Thorns forward. She has 50 caps with the Canadian national team, 10 goals, 10 assists. She's coming off of an ACL injury, so she was not a part of this World Cup, but we are so excited to speak to her. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to Attacking Third. We are so excited to bring in Janine Becky, who was a huge part of the W Championship win for Canada. Uh, Janine, so excited to have you with us today. So happy to be here. Thanks for having me. You were such a big part of that W Championship win in CONCACAF. I was covering it on the sidelines. And then you tore your ACL tragically, and I'm so sorry you didn't get to go to this World Cup. How has your recovery been? How has this whole process been for you lately? Um, I'm doing well. The recovery is going well. It's definitely been a hard period watching the World Cup go by and all the craziness that's happening within the tournament and not to have been a part of that. But, you know, injuries are part of the game, and I had to come to that realization pretty quickly in order to maximize my recovery. So I'm on the right track and hopefully be back as soon as possible. Janine, one of the things I've always admired about you is your mindset and your ability to go on to the next thing. But you've also called things out when they need to be called out, one of those things being ACL injuries and how prevalent it is in the game. We've lost too many players to this World Cup because of ACLs, you being one of them. If you had to look at some of the things resource-wise that you would implement to make this less of an issue, what would those be? I think it's just more resources in general, and that's an easy answer, but I keep using the same example. We look at Arsenal's women's team and the amount of ACL injuries that they've had just on their team alone. You're looking at some of their top players, some of the top players in the world experiencing this injury, and I would like to compare that to if that were to happen on Arsenal's men's side to you know three, four, five of their best players, the same injury. I would like to think that they would go to the ends of the earth to figure out why this was happening and what they can do now and in the future to minimize or eliminate this, this injury risk. And when you look at men's environments, for myself spending so much time in England, I got to see firsthand, you know, you have men's first teams that have the ratio of player to physio is like one physio for every two or three players. Wow. Mm, and when you wow. look at the women's side, 
It's, you know, you've got three, maybe four, if you're at a really top environment, physios, athletic trainers for an entire squad of probably 25 plus players. And then you look at access to recovery methods like cryotherapy, ice bath, uh, red light therapy, all these amazing things that technology has presented us with ways to recover and they're just less accessible for women's teams. You have to, you know, move around the men's team schedules. You can't be in their facility when they're there. There's just, it's just so logistically difficult to be able to use resources that are available to men's programs. And I, you know, I don't know if that's the case everywhere. I would hope that it's not. I think a lot of women's teams are moving in the right direction, but this should be a crisis in women's football. And I do think that seeing all these players miss the World Cup has set off this crisis light in our sport. It's long overdue. There's amazing people that have been doing research in this area for quite some time, but we haven't found that thing. Um, and when, when you increase the amount of games that these players are playing every season and you don't increase the resource, then this is unfortunately the impact of that. Wow, preach. Preach, that gave me chills. Um, Janine, I have to ask, so there, we're talking about this epidemic of ACLs and increase in injuries, and there's so many young players that look up to you and all of these women that are missing out in this World Cup. Is there advice you would give to people following and hearing your story that is helping you get through this mentally, emotionally? Yeah, I mean, this is, like I said, it's it's part of the game. And fortunately for me, this came at the worst possible time. Um, and unfortunately, also in our sport and as a female, timing is everything. And because we operate in cycles with the World Cup and the Olympics every, you know, three, four years, timing is everything. So for me, I think this has been an incredible opportunity for me to do things like this, to use my platform to speak for so many women that have experienced this injury and not have the same platform to ask for change and fight for those that don't have as much of a platform. So I want to say thank you to everyone who's been so supportive of my journey and has sent their kind words and well wishes. But I also want to say there's a lot of women in this space, myself, Viv Miedema, Leah Williamson, that are using our platforms to hopefully make a really lasting change in this space. And if the, you know, the three of us and all the rest that have experienced this had to go through this to make change for the women's game, then absolutely I'd do it all over again. Um, but for those going through this and, and seeing us go through this, I think Jordan, you know it so well, there's such an amazing community um, with you know ACLs and, and the experience that all of us have had. And I think it's super bittersweet. I definitely wouldn't have wanted to join the ACL mm -hmm. club, but here I am. And I don't want I'm you. so grateful for the community <laughs> that has been built. And I think it's just so special that um, there's so many amazing women and amazing people in this industry that can definitely make a change. And Janine, you are one of those amazing people. So thank you for sharing your story, being open with it and, and preaching about the changes that need to be made about this uh, crisis in women's soccer. There's a World Cup happening right now. I, I want to talk about the results because there have some, been some heavy hitters that have left the World Cup. Your Canadian women's national team being one of them. Throughout the group stage, what was the biggest thing you noticed about Canada and, and why they didn't succeed? Obviously, it was very difficult for me to watch. Um, I was up for every game, following along with every kick, and it's ju it just made me really, really sad for the players that um, this was the result. And knowing those individuals, knowing those athletes, 
you know, I don't know what was going through their minds in the midst of these games. Um, obviously, there's been a lot of heaviness around our team for a long time, but I know that this team was prepared to go into this tournament and in the 23 players that were there were full, you know, full blaze ahead, full focus ahead on the task at hand. And unfortunately, you know, just didn't have the performances to to win or come out of a group as difficult as the one that they had. And I think, you know, Canada is an example, Brazil, Germany, and now the U.S. It's just, it continues to validate this um, reality that we're seeing that teams are catching up to the rest of the world. And it's an incredible thing for women's football. Unfortunately, it, it hit, you know, my heart and my team way too soon. But it is an incredible thing to see, you know, that people are so surprised by all of these countries being successful. And it just makes me really excited for the future of this game and the future of this tournament specifically. I mean, I, you know, I've stayed up to watch some of the games, but I wake up in the morning and I see these results and I'm like, man, I'm actually <laughs> stayed up for that game. So it's, uh, it's been a really exciting World Cup. And I think it's just such an amazing testament to the work and the investment that's been put in the women's game. And I hope that, you know, all the people out there that think that this still isn't something worth investing in, that this is really opening their eyes. Janine, I love that you answered that very footballistically, basically. I don't even know if that's a word. Um, <laughs> but not to make excuses, but obviously coming into this World Cup, we touched on, you know, the weight on your guys' shoulders. I know we met for lunch in Miami and you were taking calls about the Federation and those ongoing battles. Um, how heavy has that all been? I know it's not the excuse because you guys were trying so hard to just focus on the game, but it's not something that you can just kind of ignore that happened. You definitely can't brush off the impact that that has had on our team emotionally. There's absolutely no right to blame the CSA on the results at the World Cup that wouldn't be fair to them. And I don't think anything, any person in that locker room would have that opinion. But you can't deny the heaviness that this has created on the players, whether that was, you know, an incredibly important preparation tournament at She Believes, where I can tell you I was there. I was not thinking about the football at all. We were so fully focused on what was going on off the field. And despite that, still put in, you know, some half-decent performances. But that does, it does catch up with you. It does weigh on you. And then we obviously just had such an injury plague in our team. And I think that created a lot of stress and unknown. But um, I have to give credit to those 23 players that were there because I know how difficult it is mentally to be at a World Cup just, you know, with nothing going on and how much pressure that is. Mm, and then at yes. the same time, knowing subconsciously, I think for most of them, that, that this was going on in the background. I think they're an amazing group of women who, you know, amazing group of people that have chosen to put this on the back burner and it's more subconscious than it is in the front of their minds. But at the same time, uh, that does still affect you. So I have so much respect for those 23 players and all the staff behind the scenes um, because I know regardless of the result of the World Cup, this was um, a really heavy time for everyone. Janine, I just want to pay those respects to you as well. You have been carrying that weight as well, dealing with this injury, and um, I know that you're leading the fight on this Federation aspect. So thank you so much for joining us. Honestly, wishing you the best and can't wait to see you back out there. Thanks, you guys. I love the show. Keep killing it. Uh, I'll be tuning in. We'll have you on whenever you want. Yeah. Thank you, Janine. Talk to you All right, guys. Soon. Thanks for having me. Of course. When we come back, we'll be diving into the U.S. Women's National Team's current state after they are out of the World Cup. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. 
It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to Attacking Third. Like I mentioned, we're going to talk the current state of the U.S. women's national team. Let's start with the last two major tournaments, the Olympics and this World Cup. One of the biggest stats that I have been seeing is that they have only won three of the last ten wins games in the two major tournaments that they've played under Vladko Andonovsky recently. Uh, those wins come against Australia, New Zealand, and Vietnam, only having five points in the group stage. Darian, talk to me about this team under Vladko in the last couple of years. Oof. Yeah, it's, I mean, you can't deny the facts that this team hasn't been successful in major tournaments. And we've seen this shift in energy that's, you know, we have a lot of these experienced players and these younger players, but we're missing the cohesiveness and chemistry we're used to seeing with this U.S. team on the pitch. And there was so much talk about it going into this World Cup. And I think it proved, too, that we weren't the most compatible on the field. Um, and other teams have taken note of that and have that compatibility. And you're seeing that in the results of all of these major teams that are out, including the U.S. And it's a shame because we want to see them win and um, go so far in this tournament. It feels foreign. I almost... Like, couldn't believe that they weren't advancing in the tournament when I was watching the game in the morning. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a bummer. And I know this is also a new generation, and it's kind of wake-up call for this U.S. squad mm -hmm. that we need to invest in younger players and build our team out and build our standard from what it used to be. I think we've kept the same level for so long, and that's just been okay because we've always dominated. But it's a big wake-up call. We need to step it up. It's a huge wake-up call. I like that you use that term for it because the women's game overall has been elevated, mm -hmm. and that is clearly evident during this World Cup tournament of all the heavy hitters that have been knocked out and all the underdogs, I'm going to call them, that have moved on and advanced to the round of 16. The United States has always been at the top of the standard, setting the standard, mm -hmm. raising the ceiling. Now that the floor is raising up and yeah. the bottom of women's soccer is continuing to rise, the United States needs to continue to climb, raise the ceiling, set the standard, and they can't stay status quo. Yeah. And that's what we saw over the last four years under Vlako Andonovsky. They were status quo. They didn't continue to get better, whether that was changing tactics or bringing in new players. That was too little too late yeah. right mm -hmm. before the World Cup. That change needed to happen immediately after the Tokyo Olympics when they win bronze that's when you bring in a player like Savannah DeMello, Sam Coffey, mm -hmm. get them caps and minutes. That way the transition from the veterans to the younger players is much smoother because they have more time together yeah. than three days before a, a World Cup game. We're going to throw you in against Wales and then you'll get two World Cup starts. It's yeah. not setting the players up for success. Lisa, that's a perfect uh, point that you're bringing up. The Olympics should have been the wake-up call that we're talking about yeah. now. You win yeah. bronze. Um, for me, I talked on Morning Footy the other day about how uh, we had that Jill Ellis interview and she talked about having things set up, the team finalized basically five months in advance and how these decisions were made so late from Vlatko Andonovsky. One of the things that we talk about a lot is that there wasn't that cohesion in the team, mm -hmm. Darian. You mentioned that. I think that a lot of that comes with you're still fighting for your spot on the team until the very last minute yeah. um, as opposed to becoming a team. Could you see that being a possibility, Jordan? It's a possibility, but I'm actually not against Savannah DeMello being on this team. I think she perf was performing uh, yeah, well at either. the That's right time. That's not what we're time. saying. Yeah. We're saying that if he had 
made decisions earlier, could they have been more cohesive come the tournament? Yeah, time? I just I think you would lose out as to players that are in form. And I think Savannah DeMello was a player in form. Mm -hmm. I, I don't necessarily think that Megan Rapinoe was a player that was in form. So th therefore, should she be on this team? Th those are the decisions that I think if you make those too far ahead, you might not be getting the players that can help you and be effective at this time in this tournament. So I, I think it goes beyond, I, I agree with you to have like a structure from this team, but I almost feel like the way that this team played was the issue, that they were too structured, that they were too reliant on whatever they were trying to do on the field, which I think that that is the question. What, what were they, what was the big tactics from this team? Were they going to be a heavy ball possession team? No. no. Were they going to be a counter-attacking team? No. Were they going to be a, a sit and defend? Like, we couldn't quite put our, the nail on the head as to say, this is the identity of this team, because they weren't good on the ball. They weren't good in transition. And that is the, the issue, is if you're the head coach of this team, you're trying to bring an identity into this squad. And I don't feel like whatever the identity was fit the players that were, were there. And you start to see some of this movement and some of the adaptation finally. The forced rotation with Rose Lavelle having finally. to sit. That, that's, it was forced rotation, yeah. Yeah. and it worked. But over the last few years, we have been asking for being adaptable. We never saw this team rarely saw this team play in a 3-5-2. We rarely saw this team play in a 4-4-2, a 4-3-2, a 4-2-3-1. I'm not saying any of those would fit them better, but I do think that there are times where games call for different formations. Yeah, we need and, to change. And it just felt like they were hooked on this, mm -hmm. we're going to play a 4-3-3. They did change some things defensively over the last year of how they are going to press, but... Overall, I think it was just a little too rigid. It just felt rigid and really predictable. Mm -hmm. And something to, I think we, we needed more rotation. If players are off, which I think Alex Morgan wasn't having the most confident tournament we've seen her in, not in the best form, have her come off the bench as a sub. I think you have less to lose. You have a chip on your shoulder. You're going to come out and want to score some goals. And it just was, there wasn't like great decision making. There wasn't this sharpness that we're used to seeing that other teams had, this edge, this bite to their bark. It was just a lot of, we expected you to do this, what, now what are you gonna do? And other teams defensively were prepped for it. Didn't it feel like too, like, there's so much talk about this team very, being very deep. And then it's al almost like the, the team then gets in, uh, this is how I would feel if I was on the team if no substitutions were being made. You don't trust me to go oh, yeah. on this mm -hmm. game. That's exactly yep. what the and, message you're sending. And, yeah. and I think that that also is a hard place to play from. Mm -hmm. how, how am I going to go in the game and be confident that I can be effective when you're not making changes and you don't think that that's yeah. the message you're giving? I just think there were moments where this was very mismanaged. And we, we saw from that game against Sweden that this team can play. We knew that this team. I mean, play. they're talented. We knew that. We yeah. knew with the twenty-three players like, called I want, in. I want to talk about um, that potential mismanagement, but that would take us into a whole hole about the negativity and potentially what Vlatko's new purpose or what happens with him. But I want to give time for the positive here. The okay. positive spin is that there are a lot of young players that are potentially the future of this team mm -hmm. that we should shine a light on because really, yes, we can talk about the negativity that comes from this and what coaching changes may or may not happen. But let's talk about these players. Darian, yeah. I know you want to talk about Emily Fox. Foxy, if she's watching, you killed this tournament. Um, <laughs> I thought she was so great. She 
started off strong and ended stronger. She is a staple for this back line, I believe. Um, I think she was agile, she was quick, she maintained possession of the ball. She handled high pressure situations incredibly well. She was composed. Um, I do want to see her get a little higher up the field and cross some more. I do, I do. I, know, I, don't, I don't think tactically it was helpful, like how they were set up. But I do think she was one of my, one of the best players for this U.S. squad through and through throughout mm -hmm. this tournament for yeah. me. When you talk about best players, um, you have to talk about Naomi Gurma. You have to. Lisa, tell me Shout how out. she did. Oh, Naomi Gurma had a incredible tournament. She had been the namestay solidifying in the back line mm -hmm. as the center back. Although Becky Sauerbrunn not able to travel to this World Cup, I had no doubts that Naomi Gurma would hold it together. She will be the captain of this United States team moving forward. She will anchor the back line. She was so calm on the ball in moments when the United States had possession and they had no pressure on them defensively. She stayed involved in the game. Her movement off the ball, her creating angles and triangles for to be options for the players in front of her, her ability to start the attack for the United States when they needed it. And then mm -hmm. defensively, she is such a lockdown defender. She is so humble as well in the way she plays this game that she will be a leader on this side. And, and she has been a leader throughout this World Cup, taking on the pressures of her opposition. Unsung hero. Yes. Yeah. And she's constantly covering. If you're going to play for the United States, you know you're going to utilize your outside backs. Mm -hmm. And her ability to cover, and I, I think I had just a whole list of the times where she covered defensively in the proper moment, winning the ball back. She's just a star. Mm -hmm. And she has been since the first time I saw her play for Stanford years yep. ago. She, she's incredible. The consistency, the composure, I mean, she absolutely stands above and beyond. The way that she's always in the right place at the right time, she reads the game so well. It's so yeah, beautiful to see at such a young age. But we want to leave some time because we want to get Sandra Herrera, our CBS Sports reporter, on next segment. So make sure you stay with us because she's going to give us her take on the U.S. Women's National Team being out and the last two round of 16 matches left to be played tomorrow. Hey everyone, this is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. Men's National Team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time, just like me. And also just like me, it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Viore gear is designed to look great in everyday life while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the men's Sunday performance jogger and don't let the name deceive you. You can wear these babies any day of the week and in any situation. I'm talking going to the office, running errands, the gym, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com sports. That's V-U-O-R-I dot sports. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to viore.com sports and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. The last two round of 16 matches are on tomorrow morning. Colombia against Jamaica and France against Morocco. Now, let's finally welcome in the fifth member of our team, another OG member of attacking third, Sandra Herrera. Welcome. Happy to be here. What a time. <laughs> what a time, Sandra. Let's, let's go ahead and get straight into it. I know you weren't going to be that happy about that because you know what I'm asking next. You got to give me your reactions on this U.S. women's national team loss. Tough. T-U-F-F. -F, I'm bringing it back. It's too ugly for feedback. I don't know if I can give it to you. But look, 
I'm going to try. Um, they We wanted to see this team get stronger as the group stage went on. And maybe there's an argument there for this game that they put together against Sweden. And it was the type of game that I think was best metaphor for life, where you can try and try and try your hardest. And sometimes things just don't work out. So it's, uh, it's wild to look back at some of the numbers and not just that Sweden game, but some of the ones that took place in the group stage and to just see that those goals just didn't come for this team. And that ultimately um, was the way that they went out because they weren't able to get them against the run of play or in the run of play. Mm -hmm. So I'm, uh, I'm excited to see where this team goes next in terms of the players who got next. Essentially, this is the origin story for me. I'm, I'm waiting to see it. I'm waiting to see what comes next for Sophia Smith, Trinity Rodman, Naomi Gurma, you know, someone with, that we were all very excited about um, to get her first World Cup minutes at the senior level with this team. And uh, we'll probably find out pretty soon because right after a World Cup comes an Olympics. So we'll I'm sure we'll keep an eye on everything to come next with with that just around the horizon. Less than 12 months what? until the Olympics, Sandra. The United States losing in penalty kicks. The second game that went to penalties was England. Um, that match coming down to the wire at the end of it. What did you take of that England win at the end of it all? What a game. And maybe the United States. <laughs> the and what a, what, a, what a way for the United States to maybe kind of leave their mark, I think, on the knockout rounds. Are, are they starting a trend here? I hope not, because I don't know if uh, we can handle all of the drama. But Nigeria and England going to penalty kicks here, making England look real, real nervy at times. And uh, I think coming out on top, if you're England, you're happy to survive and advance and hopefully uh, get to improve uh, from here because they are going to likely miss some players in the next round. Sandra, that's the big talking point coming out of this game. Yes, England get through, but they're going to be without Lauren James, who if you ask us just a couple days ago, I would have said this is going to be the player of the tournament. Mm -hmm. This She is is having putting her foot down, I, I should Ooh. say, as to say how <laughs> she is advancing through this tournament. It was a terrible mistake from her. How are they going to adapt as they move forward? I think they need a, a second with it to, to marinate on it, right? I think initial reactions to this, uh, for me, is is my thoughts immediately go to the players, right? It's like, is, is Michelle Lose going to be okay? And I think her reaction from it, we saw that she is going to be. But then you also think about Lauren James as well. Like, this is not the moment that maybe she wanted to have in this World Cup after really having such breakout performances. And that spotlight on her just sort of got brighter and brighter as the tournament went on. She's a young player, right? So... This is someone that you look at and you hate to see that such a reactive moment happens. But at the end of the day, we're all human. My goodness, we have mm -hmm. jobs where the literal criteria is to be reactive. Uh, but it's unfortunate that in this reaction, there's a consequence to that, right? A red card. She's not going to be available for this next match coming up. So what is that going to look like? Who is going to be available? This is a game that went to extra time and penalties. Um, is Carol Walsh uh, going to be available uh, to, to play that many minutes coming off of what we all thought was going to be a horrific knee injury, right? So there's going to be some, some things to look at here for Serena Wiggins along that roster who's going to slot in is it going to be coom is it going to be russo is it going to you know is it going to be hemp england i believe is on this roster maybe she can remember that that player is available as well <laughs> so we'll see sandra the next round the quarterfinals we've got france morocco colombia jamaica who you got winning these two games 
Oh, my goodness. I think these are the games that I might have been more excited about out of all the round of 16 games. There's the opportunity for some real history to be made between either of these two matchups. And look, I had Colombia as my dark horse. I wanted them to get out of the group. And not only did they do that, they went out and they won that whole dang group. So I appreciate them for making me look smart and making that (laughs) pick. But... I'm CONCACAF forever, baby. So I'm looking for Jamaica <laughs> to come out and get the win in this one. Colombia is going to be without Manuela Vanegas, who was a key factor for this team, both on, on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball. Not available for this match due to yellow card accumulation. Linda Caicedo, someone who that we saw maybe some fatigue started to set in for this player as the group went on. So I'm looking at this as an opportunity for Jamaica to go ahead and make that statement. They have had to expel a lot of energy kind of whittling down those narrow score lines, those scoreless games in the group. But maybe this is the game where they get back to the goal scoring and they take some of those bold moves and risks in front of goal and maybe try to even put this away a little bit early, try to get on the scoreboard and really shake things up. So I'm going with the reggae girls on this one. Ooh. What about Morocco, France? Did you give us an answer there? Morocco obviously beating Colombia in that last game. I think... Morocco is, again, one of the many great storylines of this of this World Cup. And I actually think they can get one against France because France, they have shown us that they have uh, the ability to concede some goals yeah, in this tournament. They're no strangers to that. So can Morocco get a goal against France and maybe do the impossible? It's the knockout rounds. Of course, anything is possible at this moment. But France has also shown us that they are able to adjust, reset as they see and really come back and make statements of their own. I think they've got a really good storyline here, too, that American media isn't talking about enough. If this France team goes ahead, wins this game, and progresses further into the knockout rounds and even goes on to win the whole darn thing, it's going to be because of a lot of the the bold and, uh, you know, courage that these French players had to sort of step up and say to their federation, you know, enough is enough. We need a culture change here at this level. So I think we need to start talking about that and showing that a little bit of love as well. Mm -hmm. I think Redu Renard is the player to watch moving forward. So I think France is going to take this one over Morocco. I love it. We'll keep an eye on out for those picks. Sandra, we're with you on Jamaica. Did we pick? We picked France as well. We picked France. Uh, So we're all in agreement here. We're all a team. Um, Thank you so much for joining us, Sandra. Sorry to start you off on that U.S. women's national team thing, but you look brilliant on the Columbia always. Thanks, y'all. Appreciate it. All right, ladies, I just want to get this last thing in. What should we be trying to win here against Morning Footy? Our bracket wins. Oh, goodness. I got to yeah, think. The hard-hitting questions here. We got 20 here. seconds here, so oh. there's no time to think. You got to hit me with something. I'd say food. Let's go food or something. How about a night out in New York on them? Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. A night out in Manhattan. I like it. Love it. I like it. Can you think of a very expensive place to put on Tau. them? Okay. A night out at Tau. <laughs> There it is. We have it for you guys. Morning footy, please accept. Thank you so much for joining us. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.